welcome once again. If I happen to have missed you earlier, uh, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at DCC. And so, uh, and so we, as we engage today, you know, we watch this intro video of this is kind of how we typically are shown marriage, right? It's, you know, especially like the ring commercials that come up right now, like Valentine's Day is this week, by the way. Uh, if uh, for those of you th that might matter, uh, got a couple day warning, so you got plenty of time. But yeah, so the you know it, you know you're wondering, well, that's why there's so many you know commercials right now of you know ads popping up in your phone, and some of you're like, I don't even watch things with commercials anymore, except for tonight. Uh, we love to watch commercials tonight, and so yeah, like. We see everybody in the field. You know, last week I joked. I was like, just stay there. Just don't leave the field. Right? Because that's what we wanted to be. Just, just like, oh, we're together and we're happy and we're in love. And that's the feeling that we long to be in. But then it's like they go back down the hill, get back in the car, and then somebody cuts them off and they start yelling at them. And then, like, by the time they get to the city, it's not, you know, it's like quickly back to reality. So how do you... Engage. How do you find that feeling for a long-term relationship? And how was that made? So I just encourage you to lean in with us in this series uh, wherever you're at in whatever walk you're in. And so, you know, many, from the beginning, you know, the majority of our church has not been married. And I think just the nature of our city and our community. But we have many who are, uh, many who have kids and all those different things. Um, and so we want to seek out the purpose and what marriage is and what does God say about it? Because we believe that God is the one who gave us marriage. In fact, the idea of it, if you try to trace it all the way back, is comes from our Judeo-Christian roots. It's incredible. And so uh, in this series, and I'll, I'll get to these. These are on points that we talked about last week. Um, but I want to give you, I'm just going to talk about some significant things. And I want to give you permission to engage, but also to question me. Because I'm going to say some things that maybe you didn't think of before or you hadn't thought of or haven't even heard. So you've got permission to just question that because I think that's a great journey towards God. And so this is our hope is that this is a safe place for you to come and engage God and ask your questions of him and hopefully find faith and belief in him. And so you've got that permission. You can laugh at me. I'm good with that mostly. Um, all those different things. But I, all I ask in return is that you consider whatever I say throughout this month. Take it seriously. Consider it. Because what if I'm right? Or what if you take away one thing that impacted your life greatly? Because I want you to consider how God is, is engaging us in the beauty that he longs for you and I to experience, whether you are married or not. And the thing is, I care deeply about who you are. And, and so I want you to experience great relationships. So that's my heart behind that. And so last week, we talked about the beauty. We can put this up now, that, that you were made. These are four things, and it's on our website. It's on our podcast if you want to go back and listen to it. But you are made to experience his beauty. I was showing incredible pictures of being in creation and being in the incredible beauty that we see in the world and how it just inspires our hearts. And there's something in you and I that we know that there is a beautiful way for something to exist. And we, we know that it isn't quite right in everything in the world. And God made that. And there's something in us that says there's a better way or there's a best way or a perfect way for something to exist. 
We long for that. And that's in the beauty that God has made you and I to experience. And then within that, God has given us marriage, and he's given us sex, and he's given us these incredible, powerful, amazing things to experience. And we long for that, and we look for that. And God's the one who put that in our hearts and gave it to us, and it's incredible. But along the way, we did mess it up. We believe that we brought sin into the world, and we brought brokenness. And so, so while we see this and we long for it, it's not the way that we thought it would be. And we've, we've had that. We've, we've hurt others, and others have hurt us in maybe significant ways. And that's hard. But God didn't just leave us here in that. From the beginning, Jesus was his plan to come and engage you and I and to pursue us and to bring us back to the beauty to find a way to be forgiven and to forgive and to be healed and to be restored and to have hope because of that. And that's why we sing about Christ. It's why we, we talk about him. It's why we say that your words are the best thing for us, that his way we believe as Christ followers is the best way to live. And so we want you to know about that, and that's for you to, to, to pursue and to decide. And God has given us the freedom to do that. And so we'll continue in this conversation of the best way to live. And so today I just want to kind of continue into the conversation of the marriage relationship. And really it's about Christ and his church. It's about Christ and his church. And so I'm just going to give you three things that we're going to walk through today. Uh, I'm going to give it to you all up front. And so when we talk about the, the marriage conversation, um, this is really it. So we have Jesus and his church. And we can put this up here. And this is just, I'll give you everything up front so you know we're going through this. And we're no, you're getting close to the end when we get to number three. <laughs> For those who are keeping score. But we have this covenant, like this ultra-covenant relationship. And God has been pursuing us. And what's so amazing is he, was, he showed us from the beginning that he knew that we wouldn't be able to keep our part. But he committed to you and I from the beginning, and we messed it up. But he didn't drop his commitment. He's the only one who really can. And so from the beginning, he's made this commitment to us. And it's, and it's amazing because it speaks so much of who God is that, that he loves us, he cares about us, he's made us for relationship. We believe we have the, the Godhead, three in one, the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Spirit that are so in, in unity that they are one. But it speaks of a God who's in relationship in this perfect sacrificial relationship of loving and giving to another. And he does that with us. And so we see the marriage is ultimately a picture of Christ and the church. And we'll see that displayed in Scripture today. But I, I, told, I talked about how we messed that up. We walked away. We walked away from our commitment to him. And we see Jesus cross that divide. It created division between God and us. And, may, and if you're angry with God today, that might be true, and all of us feel that. And so there's a divide because of our sin between us and this holy and perfect God. And so in, in our relationships, it's quite similar that we have a divide. And in our world today, this isn't just a, a romantic relationships. In, in our world today, in our friendships, in, our, in countries or just in cultures or thought, you know, we have these divides. And, you know, we talk about it, how we feel like the divide's getting further and further away. Well, someone has to cross that divide. 
and make a way. And so the beauty is we see Jesus cross that for us. He came to us, made himself like a slave. He humbled himself and made himself lower. That's the, our, the God did that with us. This is what we believe. And he came down to us so that we could experience unity, so that we could be redeemed. And it's this beautiful picture of sacrificing himself, giving up himself, experiencing pain and punishment and suffering so that we could be set free and being brought back to God. And when this happens, life is the result. Life is the result. And this is today the picture that I want you to have, that I want you to have. This God who's committed to us, he's committed to us, but even with the, whatever brokenness or whatever comes in our way and hurt and pain, like he crosses that device, he makes a way, and he says to you and I that it is worth it and that there's joy and there's life that comes as a result of that. And he's saying it's worth it. And we need that deep down in our hearts to know because there are times in all relationships, <laughs> whether it's a roommate who's super messy doesn't clean up, or you get in arguments, or you found out you're quite different, or friendship, or sister, or brother, or parents, or the neighbors upstairs or beside you. <laughs> There's lots of relationships, co-workers, boss, politicians that we love to hate, all these things. How can we learn to engage this? And so these are the big three things, the concepts, and I want to walk through them. So the first one is this, is that we have this covenant relationship that God has made to us. And I could go all the way back into the what we call the Old Testament scriptures and, and God's initial pursuit of us, and he began to engage us and begin to say that I am pursuing you and calling you to me. Not because I want you to be robots. No, in fact, he did the opposite. He gave us freedom. He gave us the ability to choose him and to choose life and to choose love. And in our brokenness and walking away from that, we walk towards death and destruction and selfishness and all those different things. But he's pursued us and calling us to the beauty and saying, I want you to know that you can trust me. And so we see marriage given to us as a committed relationship. And then we see the example of Christ and his church. And so this is why when we get to see the descriptions of marriage in scriptures, in our, what we call our New Testament scriptures, all the writings that were written about Jesus' teachings, we see this exact analogy. So if you read it at first, it appears quite shocking. <laughs> it can, depending on how you interpret it. But what we see is a committed relationship from both. That a picture of loving and sacrificing for one another. And honestly, as I go through this today, this is completely opposite of what really we see in our culture today as far as relationships and how we interact with one another. And so when you really live this out, it's not easy. In fact, it kind of goes against a lot of what we hear. So I just want to recognize that out loud. And so, but we see in Ephesians 5 here, we'll start here, Ephesians 5, 29-33. So it says, the scriptures say... And so this is referring to scriptures going back from the beginning when God began to interact with us. That a man shall leave his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now this goes back to when God made us. That he made us man and woman and made us for each other, and he said that the two are united into one. 
and this is consistent all throughout Scripture, that the, 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 the design of, of marriage is to be is united together, that you become one flesh. It's this picture of unity, and it's a picture of beauty. We have a God who is unified, and he calls his church to the same thing. And then when Jesus came along, he said these exact same words. And here, Paul is the writer here, and writing to the early church in Ephesus, not too long after Jesus' resurrection, and he's, he's confirming this. So this is a consistent principle that we see that God has made us for. And Paul continues, he goes, this is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. So again, and say, each man shall must love his wife as he loves himself, and, he's, each, and the wife must respect her husband. So he was in this conversation about marriage and loving and serving one another. And why would we do that? Why, is, why would we engage in a marriage relationship that way? Well, because it's what God has shown us is the best way and it's how we engage these men as a church family and how we respond to Christ. So when we become Christ followers, we are committing and loving him and serving him. And he is doing the same with us. It's, it's, it's how it's been made to be. Paul referred to this in his letter to the Philippians. In Philippians 2, we see this. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. We're called to this unity. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. This is a fascinating sentence. It says, and this is pretty epic, <laughs> do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Value others above yourselves. This is the love ethic that we see come out of Scripture, out of what Christ did for us. Now, this isn't easy. In my own marriage, there's a lot that I do out of my own selfish ambition. <laughs> I am... I want what I want, and, and so my wife is a similar thing. In fact, we, we found that there are many differences. You know, we are attracted to each other for many different reasons, right? And so you've heard the term opposites attract, and there's, some, there's truth to that, but there's a lot of similarities, too, that drew us together. But there's this amazing beauty of pursuing becoming one together. And the way that you term amazing is different sometimes, but God's design was that it wasn't always easy. And so my wife and I, uh, I would say, has not been easy uh, many times. Just going to be completely honest with you, but like I remember six years into our marriage, we were just beginning to learn how to argue with one another. And what we found was we were very, very different. I grew up in a very uh, a, you know, outspoken, kind of more loud, boisterous home. And we would, boisterous is a weird word to say. I don't know where that came from. But uh, kind of a, we would just say everything and anything. And so when it came to conflict, we just let it be known. 
And, the, you know, we were not afraid to raise our voices. My wife grew up in like almost the exact opposite, where you didn't say a word and you just didn't bring anything up and you just kind of buried it deep. And both were not actually that healthy. <laughs> and so that we didn't have great examples of that. And then as we got into more deeper into our marriage, like this began to play out more and more. And that was fascinating where I would be just kind of go for it and she wouldn't say a thing. And so it, it, it didn't quite work well together. And we've had to work very hard on that. And we're both a little stubborn, so that doesn't help either. So why do I say that? Because there was work to be done to fight for the beauty and the unity. And we've, we've, we've benefited from that. And it's brought us closer together. And what helps us is to learn that we don't, what we're doing is we're fighting for what we want. How do you learn to fight for the other? So this is a complete opposite because we want to experience the beauty of one another, but we live in a world that's saying you need to get what's best for you and to be happy you've got to pour into yourself. And those two things actually cannot work together. You ever, you ever really looked at that that closely? Something's got to give. If you're going to get everything you want, the other person's got to do that. And it actually doesn't make us happy. And so this is opposite, opposite of what we naturally kind of want inside. And that's why we need to be taught about this. But this is who God's made us to be. And it says that will bring us joy. And so it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but consider the interests of, of others above yourself. And then it says why. It continues. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So in all of our relationships, Christ is our example. Everything that he has asked us to do and shown us, he lived out himself. And what did he do? He gave up the throne in heaven and came down to us, humbled himself, Eventually, to the point of being killed and to death, becoming a perfect sacrifice for our sins so that beauty could result. And so Jesus, God, came to us in a covenant relationship and committed to us. And we walked away from him, but he didn't walk away from us. And so that leads us to the second point is that he crosses the divide. Scriptures say that Jesus came into the world not to condemn us, but to redeem us, to save us, and make our way back to him. That's why we say each week that, that we exist to help people find their way back to God. That's what Jesus came to do. He came after the one. He goes after the one who's walked away. He is seeking us out. He is seeking you out and pursuing you. And his goal for you is unity and redemption, that you can be brought back into that beauty. We need, someone needed to make a way back, a way to be forgiven, a way to be restored. This is the ultimate example. And so he submitted to us first. It's a crazy statement to say that God submitted to you and I. He showed us that that is the way that you are made to be in a relationship. And so this is where we get the instructions of marriage. And so we see in Ephesians 5, 21, and this is more scripture that on the surface could be quite shocking for you to read. So here's what it says, Ephesians 5, 
Paul's talking about marriage, and he says this. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so we've said, we know, you know, so out of Christ's example, we submit. So the, the picture of relationships in general, honestly, is we learn to love one another. We learn to give up what we want for the sake of the other, which leads to beauty. And so he's like, so in a marriage, this is what you do. And then he begins to describe this. And if you've been with me a while, you've heard me explain how it's one paragraph for, for, for the wives and like 10 for the, the men. Because we need a lot of explanation. So here's what it, he, he says. He says, he says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. So as you submit to God, we do the same in our relationships. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So we, and so we, we view this so negatively, it's hard for us to even comprehend him, but it's the same command for husbands. We have this picture of Christ in, in the church. Now, are, is this say, Paul saying that husbands are like God? No. <laughs> nope, nope. Actually, the example of what Christ did is the example for husbands. So it continues, husbands, love your wives. How? Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. You give up what you want. You give up your life for the beauty that is to come. To make her holy, as continues, as cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. What's fascinating is Paul was talking about Christ and the church. So as a church family, this is our picture. That we are submitting to Christ. And as a Christ follower, this is what we've chosen to do. And that's why... We are part of a church family. That's why we have a church. It's because he's called us to one another. And that means that we are in relationship with one another. And that means that we don't always see eye to eye. And that we don't, like, we have to work towards that. And why would we do that? Like, it's just not fun to work through things, right? In our, in our world today, we don't know how to do that. We've lost that beauty. We've lost that beauty. You know, that's where the joke, you know, my job would be great if it weren't for all the people, or my, this family would be great if it weren't for the people. Like, the, you know, there's all those, because we get in the way. But Jesus came and showed us it was worth it. It was worth it. And so we cross the divide to one another. We submit to one another. Husbands, if you're a husband here today, what did Jesus do to bring us back into union with God? Well, he gave himself up for us. He gave up his divine privileges, his divine rights, and made himself lower. He gave up his glory and power, became a servant. He looked to our needs, served us. He didn't use his power to oppress us, but in fact to free us from the punishment of sin and the slavery made upon ourselves. That's amazing, right? If we did this in our marriages, how much more will we probably get along in our world? 
He continues, by the way. There's two more paragraphs for husbands. He says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for the body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. And he says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is not easy to do. Why would we do that? Because it's what God showed us. And if you're in a marriage relationship, we take these hard steps because of what Christ has done. And as you engage Christ, it helps you love like he did. And if we trust him, we'll experience the beauty. Because number three is life is the result. Beauty is the result. When we just pursue ourselves to get what we want you're never going to be happy. It's never going to be enough. These are your own, like our own happiness is fleeting. And you get something and you find somebody else did it in a better way. Or there's a, you know, so it, this is never ending pursuit. And we're not actually happy. There's a beauty in serving and loving one another. There's a beauty in giving. And that is the ultimate picture of who our God is. And so life is the result. Christ is our example. He crossed the divide for the sake of the beauty that was ahead. Because of what Christ did, we can now be forgiven. And he's made a way for us to engage him and make it, made a way for us to walk away from destructive actions and, and towards him. He's made a way for you and I to actually be restored. And so in our relationships, that's what we want to seek. And when you are pursuing a relationship, if you have that picture in mind, and if you are pursuing Christ, it helps you see the other person across the table, the other person across the app. <laughs> and when you're swiping or when you're engaging and you're going to a restaurant or you're taking these steps, like, do you see this in the other person? Now, don't expect them to be like this perfect, you know, produced product like your father or mother might have been or, you know, someone in your life. That would be a mistake. But are they just in it for themselves? That's where it affects everything you do now. Knowing what a picture of what a marriage should be. And it helps you and I take steps towards others and love them in a way that's different. And that's what we're going to get to. In the, like, How do you do that? What does that look like? I don't have time today. But that's the next foundation. Is that there's a covenant. There's a commitment to one another. That we cross the divide because it's worth it, because it brings us to life and to beauty. And it's why you should consider following Christ, because he's done the same for you. Let's pray together. Father, Daddy, thank you so much for your love for us, your pursuit of us. I pray today that as we hear these words, Maybe we resist. That's pretty normal. But I pray that we would look to what you did, the example of what you've done and how you pursued us, to consider the beauty that you want us to experience. I pray in our relationships that we would learn 
to live this out with one another in our friendships, in family, and in romance. Now we thank you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.